everyone, and welcome to The Resonance Test. I'm your host, Pete Chapin from Continuum. It's always a pleasure to meet someone who comes right out and says, I am personally and professionally interested in snacks. And even better when that person is Erica Eden, the Director of Global Design Innovation at PepsiCo, one of the largest food and beverage businesses in the world. Erica's role means that every innovation project related to snacks, beverage, and nutrition at PepsiCo comes across her desk. But do not ask her to reveal what's in the pipeline for Fritos. That is seriously proprietary information, and she might have to kill you. What Erica can reveal, however, is how she's managing to get a very large company with its traditional aversion to risk to start embracing design thinking and the front end of innovation more wholeheartedly. She uses a consumer lens to turn ideas into scalable business opportunities, and she's especially focused on helping PepsiCo innovate for women, who, after all, purchase 85% of all consumer goods and services, yet are vastly underrepresented as innovation decision makers. Erica came in for a chat with Eric Bogner, design principal at Continuum. Let's hear what they had to say about innovation at PepsiCo, how to generate enthusiasm among smart but comfortable employees, and of course, snacks. So I started like three years ago, mm-hmm. and I think my role now is much different than it uh. ever was. So design thinking and front-end innovation is relatively new for PepsiCo. Um, since I mean, the whole design center is new. Yeah. And front-end innovation is part of the, I think, one of the growth path. Um, Indra wants... PepsiCo to be, uh, you know, one of the thought leaders in the consumer packaged goods industry, and that's a really great goal. And so our team is part of that. Indra Nui is a CEO, and um, the design center is uh, led by Mauro Porcini, and they're both sort of um, co-conspirators in in the development of the design function and design thinking capability for for the whole organization. So that's no easy task because there's um, it's a huge organization and yes. to like to steer the ship or to like get the ship to steer a little to the left or a little to the right, it's um, no small task and it takes time, um, which is why front end innovation and, and pushing on process is really important because that's like the first thing that um, many experienced professionals can kind of wrap their heads around. Yeah. It's something that they can like they can do um they can act on it, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and they can try new things. Um, embracing design is one thing, but it's like so outside of their, you know, everyday yeah. system and so outside of their everyday like life and capabilities that, you know, it seems kind of separate. But design thinking feels, I think, for the greater organization, something that they can wrap their heads around. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's what I'm doing. Um, I work on... So the my team, um, the design innovation team, um, we support the whole or all the innovation projects for the whole business. <laughs> Which is amazing. That's a lot of work going across your desk. That's right. So we support all the snacks innovation projects, beverage, and nutrition, mm-hmm. the three big businesses, at, the three businesses at PepsiCo. Yeah. And I personally, I work on the snacks programs. Um, it's my, where I'm personally interested in and um it's i think it's the i don't know i don't know why i just like that i want to work on snacks yeah. and i feel like the it's food yes. and we're feeding people yes. and i think we um we're so big pepsico is so huge we can really have major change if yeah. we can change the way we the way we people eat and yeah. sort of that's my macro yeah. goal is to 
like shift the portfolio to, you know, better stuff. I mean, there's so much, there's so much conversation going on about mm-hmm. food and farming yes. and, you know, the way we eat. And, you know, the, the big companies need to be the ones to embrace that yes. change. Yep. And, you know, the only way to, to, to affect change is to go inside and yes, do, it, exactly. do it from within. And yeah. so, and that's a really- and Take responsibility, which exactly. is fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm doing a good job. With the amount of responsibilities you have and what's kind of going across your desk, um, talk a little bit about the excess stories where how you both uh, are being impactful. You're, you're touching as much as you can and guiding as much of the internal initiatives as you can, mm-hmm. but you're also being thoughtful in that you're actually pushing change that you feel is important within the category. Sure. So um, a couple of things. So the um, my team, we do a, um, uh, very front end work, meaning we, um, we work on projects that are three to five years out. So um, very future thinking, um, but it takes time to make big change, right? And that's why it takes so long, yeah. uh, the three to five years. Um, and the success stories from a project perspective are um, about the pipeline, um, which obviously I can't tell you about because they haven't launched yeah. yet. Yeah. Um, but the, um, the products that we've been working on over the past couple of years are in that process right now. Um, and they're um, sort of proliferating <laughs> throughout our brands, throughout um, the businesses, and regionally they're kind of spreading all over the globe. Yeah. Um, and they will launch within the next year. So uh, that's very exciting. Um, that the from a project perspective, mm-hmm. the impact on um, on the products that we make. Yes. Um, and then um, m- more abstractly, but also more. Um, real to some degree yeah. um, is the front end innovation process that's changing a lot internally at PepsiCo and that the um, the teams, um, particularly marketing teams, insights, um, R&D, mm-hmm. and just overall business leaders are really adopting the new way of thinking, which that's is fantastic. really exciting. And that takes a lot of work. I was I was there when you were starting to lay that out. And yeah. It was, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work and it's, it takes a lot of time to get people excited about change yeah. as opposed to sort of, you know, pressuring change or enforcing change. You know, it's very different um, to get people excited to embrace something new and try something new and um, try to take risks in an environment where risk is, you know, not yes. really very appreciated. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very risk averse in yeah. big any big corporation. Yeah. Um, so that's been my challenge is to make design thinking fun. Um, and I don't. I think most design thinking comes across as kind of dry mm-hmm. um, and and very process forward, um, almost like a formula. And I think that works to some degree. To help people understand it, but then it it, it feels um, a that they can just do it, they can just follow some steps and then they can do it, um, which is dangerous. Yeah. Um, and most importantly, I think it's just kind of dry. Yeah. And to keep it kind of fun and to keep people both invested and trusting it, how how are you kind of activating some of the opportunities that you're kind of coming up with, which is kind of testing it within what you're saying, PepsiCo is a very optimized organization in mm-hmm. both the manufacturing and product development. How are you kind of testing and activating your ideas to show success? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's, a, that's sort of the ultimate that's challenge, the ultimate right? Challenge. Until the, yeah. Um, so there's, priorities in the business mm-hmm. um, and I work on the, the the larger priorities with um, a 
cross-discipline team of all the folks that I was just talking about from R&D, from the business, from insights, from marketing. Um, and we worked together on like a custom front-end approach for each program. And that it, it really is different every single time. Um, and I try to facilitate the conversation and make sure that everyone is engaged and everyone feels like um, they can affect it and build it sort of from scratch. If that means we need to spend um, a couple months doing an audit of you know competitors, that's what we do. If that means we need to go visit factories for two months, um, you know, with the hairnets and everything, that's what we're going to go do. And you know, it, it really changed the the way that they would think about their everyday work um, and get them out of their routine. Because um, their routine is, is comfortable, they know how to do it, right? And yeah. and just changing their routine is like the first step. Yeah. Um, and but those custom front end um, programs, I think, is the most effective way that I've been able to do it. That's interesting. Um, and then and they roll out slowly, and we build them over time, and we like get momentum, and we get proof points, yeah. and um, we get buy-in from as many people as possible. And what's happened, interestingly enough, is that those platforms that are about one thing, um, the, the, the um, processes that we develop for those platforms, they suddenly get exported <laughs> to other platforms um, or other nice. priorities because, yeah. you know, it's working. So that, which is Good and bad because it's custom, so it doesn't necessarily mean that you can yeah. export it directly. But yeah. it means that people are excited yes. um, about doing things differently. Yes. And the the amazing thing about PepsiCo is the people, and the people that work there are um, they have a lot in common. Um, it's a very motivated, entrepreneurial uh, group of people. Very smart, almost too smart. Um, and when when you can like rally them together, it it's it's kind of unstoppable. So that's fun for that's, me. That's super fun. Yeah. And as you're as you're doing these kind of activations and and like injecting this change, do you feel like some of those processes that you're doing by shifting people's behavior about the development cycle are actually also maybe accelerating the development cycle in that of how they're thinking about it differently? Yes and no. Um, I think you know. Launching anything takes a really long time in a big company like PepsiCo. So acceleration and speed is like number one, the, one of the problems that we have. Um, I think because it's relatively new, speed isn't really one of the outcomes yet. Um, you know, we have to sort of try it out a few times um, and get like the, the, the kinks out. Yeah. Um, but I, I do believe that speed will be eventually one of the things that um, the company will benefit from um, because everyone will be uh, sort of their own experts, right? Yeah. And they'll um, be able to use their intuition more mm -hmm. readily, mm -hmm. um, which is something that, again, these big companies, you know, they're not really um, PepsiCo and others, right? They're not necessarily motivated to use their intuition. Yes. Yes, mm -hmm. and that's tough. That's tough to kind of teach that and have them trust that. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, yeah. they, and if they, if they need proof points, right? Yeah. They need the test results, or yeah. they need data. They need something. Yeah. Um, it's hard to stand up in front of a CEO and say, "I think <laughs> this yeah. is an opportunity." Exactly. exactly. Um, but I think designers do a, a wonderful job doing that. Is they build the case behind 
you know, years of experience, yep. which feels like a hunch, but it really is your years of experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It looks like a hunch, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. 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 I think also it's like, you know, we talk a lot about how the way brands are and how dynamic they are right now that leaders within organizations need to react to change immediately. Mm-hmm. And um, because of that, you know, because of kind of these dynamic shifts in cultural and business happening all the time. And even, I, you know, Mara Pacini was speaking at uh, Singapore's Design Week Innovation Conference. And he was saying, we compete with the latest song of Beyonce, the latest telephone from Samsung or Apple. We compete for the mind share and the relevance in the life of people. Um, and we talked a little bit about maybe accelerating and trying to accelerate into the, um, into the development cycles. The other thing is creating brands and um, evolving brands that are malleable and dynamic. Mm-hmm. And it's a tough question, but it's like, have you been able to kind of inject that at an early stage so so that you know when, when these things that you're beginning to develop are finally going to hit to the consumer, mm-hmm. they, they are still relevant and they're still important and dynamic? That's an awesome question. So I think there's two sides of any program or any brand, you know, presence and part of it is what you're saying like being culturally relevant changing the way culture is changing the speed the direction everything um and i think that requires a certain skill set and then there's the other side which is the universal truths about people and behavior and Mm -hmm. our our lives right that are constant and from an innovation perspective because we're building platforms and we're um, building new factories around the new products that we're creating. Yeah. It can't be this like quick changing yes. thing. You know, it has to be. It has to be something that's um, stable yeah. to make it worth our while. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All of those millions of dollars of capital exactly. investment. Right. Exactly. And so um, I think there's like a, a foundational layer for any brand that needs to be grounded really in that universal truth um, about what human need. Um, which I think as designers and innovators, we're really good at mm-hmm. uncovering that and bringing that to life. And then um, that's the foundation. And then on top of that, the brand needs to communicate outwards yeah. um, in that in that fast, that's relevant, um, interesting way. Um, and so you need both. Um, and one without the other f- falls flat and consumers see right through it, right? It's like if you don't have both, um, you're missing out on something. And um, consumers are the first ones to to tell tell you. (laughs) To talk about it. Yeah, to talk about it. Um, So it's, but it's, you know, it's no small feat. And that's why the Design Center has so many different disciplines in it at PepsiCo. Mm -hmm. Um, So make sure we cover all of our bases. So we've got design innovation and we've got brand teams and we've got activation teams and retail design teams, experience teams. Um, and we all work together to make sure that that is like a cohesive yeah. <laughs> system oh of thinking. That's yeah. good. That's yeah. a good answer. It's a good question. <laughs> let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about, you know, why you're at the FEI conference and your yes. topic and a little bit of what you're going to share with everyone. Yes. Um, so um, I'll give you the real reason. <laughs> and this is great because this this ties back to you know before PepsiCo. This is Erica. Yeah, this is that's true right. Erica here. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so um, I have been thinking about uh, 
design and gender for a very long time. Um, so I started Femden in 2006 um, with some friends at Smart Design. Um, and we were trying to figure out why um, the product design, industrial design industry um, had such a hard time talking about products for women. <laughs> and we spent um, a, a good part of our everyday experience thinking about that on projects and off. Um, and we were very public about our opinions about what needed to change in the industry um, because it's not about changing the people and getting a bunch of women to, to work on a project. That's that's not going to happen. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, that's maybe in, in the future it might be a little bit more balanced. Um, but today, that's not the case, right? Yes. There's there's not a lot of women in R&D and engineering and in yeah. industrial design. Um, yeah, we haven't hit parity. We have, I mean, but that's, that's fine. Yeah. You know, we're just not there yet. Um, so what are the things that we need to do? to balance out the way we think mm -hmm. um, because men and women, we think differently about things and we have different priorities about what matters. Um, and so that was the goal of the Femden to unpack what are the things that need yeah. to change. I mean, it was really just about learning and insight and empathy about otherness, yes. right? How do we, you know, from a design point of view, we love the idea of empathy. Um, and this is another thing to have empathy about, which yes. is the way we think, not just someone else's life, someone with diabetes or someone that lives in Haiti or whatever. Those are things that we're used to thinking about mm -hmm. from an empathy point of view. Yeah. But we're not used to thinking about other people's aesthetic, other people's um, thought processes, other people's priorities. You know, the way an engineer might think about a solution, um, they might get really excited about feeds and speeds and they might get really excited about the way something works because that satisfies the way they think. Um, but someone else might gloss over that stuff. They might not care. They don't prioritize the same things. And so there's a disconnect there between who's doing all the making yeah. and who's doing, doing all the buying, yeah. right? Men and women. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very, once you, once you actually break down the numbers, yeah. it becomes really obvious that there's a disconnect because women, especially in um, consumer packaged goods, mm -hmm. but by and large across most every industry, mm -hmm. they buy most of the stuff. And when you look at who's doing all the making, it's mostly men. It's mostly men. Right? So. And when you're even thinking about things like empathy, like you kind of natural empathy and everything else, the strengths that, you know, women have over men and what they've been talking about, even with doctors and mm -hmm. patient mm -hmm. relationships and how mm -hmm. that's been, uh, you know, stronger with female doctors over male doctors. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And it doesn't, it's not only one way, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, we're working on brands like Gatorade. Gatorade's about, it's a very male brand. Yes. It's about professional athletes. I, as an innovator, I'm neither of those things. I need to have empathy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for them. Yeah. Um, and, and I need to, to kind of disengage my default Mm -hmm. priority systems and engage their priority systems and what they think is important, what they value yeah. and act on that, which means your hunch, you have to develop a new way to get your hunches. Yeah. And that is the hard part. Um, Cause we've over years, we, we love our ideas. We love our own, you know, intuition. Exactly. Um, but we have to be more flexible. You have to be more flexible. And I mean, you know, that's a great thing that you, because we talk about like, 
how you might think of we think about visible design, but then also think about within within PepsiCo how you're thinking about these brands. Are you thinking mm-hmm. about it in basis of gender? So that's a great mm-hmm. example with the Gatorade yeah. and how you have to put yourself in that mindset yeah. you know, in order to to create the best experience for that product. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you know, since defend them and since and since you've kind of like publicly taken it on, which is fantastic. What have you seen as far as improvements that have happened? You know that. That you can kind of track and you can kind of say there you know mm-hmm. pushing the needle a little bit there it is it's moving it's understanding um i think there's there's some new brands um that are doing a really good job yeah. um so there's a new brand called um pure leaf tea house and it is targeting um women in a really interesting way um it's a, a specific tribe of women um the the demographic would be a a traditional demographic description would be boomers Mm -hmm. right um i try not to think about demographic because i don't think it matters as much as mindset um but when you break down what's working about that brand it's about it's all about discovery the the flavors the Mm -hmm. brewing process the stories on the back the personal stories about travel and um, experiences that make sense to um, women who are experiencing this sort of second yeah. part of their life where they have that freedom to travel and learn and explore. Um, and the brand is incredibly relevant to them. Um, and the beauty of that brand is that it has stretched everybody else, right? It's not exclusively for a boomer woman who would yeah. want that. Um, but it's, it's an exciting brand still. Yeah. Um, so that's one example um, Drinkfinity is another example. I think they took um, a much more neutral approach, um, but it's very inclusive, right? It's yeah. not like the Gatorade, no. where it's like it's a, a, a dude brand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that. It's not Doritos, a dude mm-hmm. brand, or Mountain Dew, a dude yeah. brand. We're great <laughs> at dude brands, yeah. um, but Drinkfinity is like a whole new innovation system. Yeah. That's it's an incredible system of little pods and vessels that reduce waste and you know, enhanced customization. It's, it's incredible. And there's no explicit gender story, um, which I think is really hard to do mm-hmm. um, and wonderful um, that it's so inclusive. So it doesn't have to be, I get, my point of view is it doesn't have to be one or the other. There's also, there's a massive middle ground. And I think most brands should occupy yeah. that middle ground. Yeah. Um, but that it doesn't, um, sometimes it becomes, it, that middle ground um, can be a little boring. Um, and so um, finding the point of view in that middle ground um, is is the challenge. So those are some yeah, those success are some, stories. Those are some, yeah. Particularly to PepsiCo, which is yeah, interesting. Exactly. But so, yeah. yeah, I think there yeah. is. And definitely, and definitely empathy, I think, is hit hard with, like, in development within organizations and stuff. It's starting to hit. Um, how are you, are you focusing a lot on... Um, kind of gender parity within organizations with no. this group? No. So you're focused on the products and the experiences. So as soon as there's gender parity, as soon as there's fairness and all that stuff, I'm out of work. So <laughs> <laughs> Mission accomplished. I mean, it's not out of work. No, not really. I'm kind of joking. Um, I care about that stuff. I'm a feminist. You know, yeah. I march on, you know, I do all that stuff, but that's not why I do this. Um, I do this because it's a business opportunity. Yes. Um, and because there's, there are actual tangible solutions to a real problem yes. that companies have. Yes. Um, and that can, I think, can provide real value. Um, all, the, all of the political stuff, um, 
about women's issues are incredibly important to me, mm-hmm. um, but that's it's actually not why I'm doing this. And I think it clouds the discussion because this is about innovation. Based on my past experience with the Femden, um, I've been building up uh, an understanding more specifically on CPG, yep. right? And the, the way that uh, women are, I don't want to say treated, but the way we appeal, we try to appeal to women within the CPG category. Nice. That's that's rich. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's pretty rich. That's right. Um, so over the past few years, I've been amassing some points of view, um, which I clearly have many of them. But and these aren't historic. These are mm-hmm. contemporary. Yeah. Contemporary. Um, and so um, the talk that I'm giving is is my findings is about my findings from a design and gender audit of the CPG space, um, and we looked at. Um, are the PepsiCo categories, mm-hmm. um, food, beverage, nutrition, Good. right? Yeah. Um, but also parallel um, categories like personal care or spirits, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but all sort of fast-moving product. And um, we found uh, that companies, by and large, everyone, mind you, everyone makes a, a series of three mistakes okay. when it comes to yep. appealing to women. Um, number one... It's generic, right? They have no point of view. They have no no real meaning or relevance culturally. Um, and when you look at innovation briefs, you see um, consistently these happy women yes. eating salads, yes. right? Yes. Um, these yes. false versions of you know <laughs> women. <laughs> they don't exist. They're always smiling. They're yeah. always thirty. Um, <laughs> they're always like, you know, moderately attractive. It's the same. And we, and we try to every, literally every innovation brief that I think I've ever seen, um, tries to get after that woman. Cause yeah. she is like all, she is all woman, yeah. right? Yeah. She is, she is women. <laughs> um, but that is, it's just kind of a generic approach. And it's not the way we do things on our men's brands like do and yeah. Gatorade. It's very specific. Very specific. Right? It's yeah. incredibly opinionated, those brands. Yeah. But we are the industry is is shy about having these strong opinions about women's brands. Um, the second mistake um, is that they're hyper feminized. So they mm. really push this Uber femme idea of being skinny, being young, being beautiful. Yeah. Right. It's always about being, you know, it's it's um, about calories and it's this like pink and purple version of, of yeah. life. And yeah. I think that part of uh, society exists and that's fine. But that doesn't encompass all women. Right. Yes. At all times. At all times. The all times is important. Right. Yeah. Like, sure, there might be moments when I want to, you know, yes. uh, think about calories or or, yes. you know, whatever. But that, that's that's not how I would define or want to be defined or and that's not the brands that I'm interested in from a brand mm-hmm. you know level and then the third mistake which is the interesting one I think is um, the industry over prioritizes functional foods interesting and the the reason I think it's a great reason is because it we're innovators are a, um, we're well informed we are an inquisitive bunch and we like to go find the measurable differences between men and women. It's the, the most logical thing to go do. And when we do that, we can see that we, men and women have different nutritional needs. And that inspires suites of solutions that have 
that are measurably different, right? Women have more needs for magnesium. They need yes. more protein, yeah. da, 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 um, and so on. And so we over-prioritize those functional benefits. Um, and the that's not bad. It's just we can't lead with that because that there's no desire in function. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, it results in the, in solutions that are just bird food. And in the moment of truth, <laughs> in the moment of truth at the vending machine, at the shelf, yeah, wherever, exactly. and at home, at the impulse, yeah. you're not picking that. You're picking the delicious, naughty snack. Yes. Right? You're not going to pick bird food. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those functional benefits are, are important, but they need to sort they need to simmer down a little. They and the they need to be, a, yeah, yeah, they need to be working hard in the background. Yeah, right. yeah, almost table stakes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So those are the three mistakes that we've observed in looking at hundreds of brands that are trying yeah. to appeal to women. Um, and when we look at the the way we appeal to men, it's very different. The mistake there's there's I'm sure there's mistakes, um, but not those three. Interesting. And the way um, that it's done. And it's done at PepsiCo in particular, um, with those three brands, the Dew, Gatorade, and Doritos, is they go after tribes, very specific, real-life groups of people that Mm -hmm. are aligned in behavior, in mindset, in the way they dress, what they do on the weekends, everything. So like Gatorade is pro athletes, right? They have – it's an aspirational group of people. Um, The – Doritos tribe, they call them hyperlifers. But it's like these X Games yes. bros, right? And they all, you know, they are they it's a it's a lifestyle. And um, it is an aspiration for the masses. Um, and it's really opinionated yeah. and almost offensive. And the the marketing teams know it. And they are proud of it. And they move it, yeah. Right? Um, but there's, I can't think of many brands for women that are that opinionated, opinionated. and that bold and go after a, such a narrow group of people. Yeah. Um, and really done the due diligence of researching that individual. Yeah. Exactly. So my whole pitch to PepsiCo and to everyone, frankly. Yeah, which this is, is a important. public. This, this, is a, a, this is a public. Yeah. <laughs> this is a public. Speech. But it's great that you're bringing PepsiCo in on your, you know, you know, kind of your surveillance of it. Exactly. That's yeah, I mean, we can act you're holding on yourself it. accountable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We will be acting on. Um, so my pitch for anyone going after women is a stop doing those three things, those three mistakes, <laughs> and b find a tribe and yes. just innovate for the tribe and that will create mass appeal for women who might not be part of that tribe but at least they're aspirational targets of that tribe exactly that's great that's That's my that's my story and i'm sticking to it (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be (laughs) that's the hypothesis i think it's 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 ready for growth yeah yeah i think it's um i'm excited i mean i'm starting to implement that theory Mm -hmm. across the portfolio not only for women's brands, but for family brands and for men's brands that are under leveraged. So um, that's, that's that's the big thing. I think, and that's I feel like the thing that I, that's my mark. Um, yeah, and it's so nice that you have an organization like PepsiCo that's both allowing you and enabling you to kind of 
have that test exactly. and be able to implement that immediately and be able to change that thing physically rather than telling others to do it, you can kind of show through your own examples. Yeah. That's really nice. It's cool because uh, PepsiCo, like I said, PepsiCo is this entrepreneurial, yes. um, very intelligent place. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, it's very free. You can, everyone's accountable, but it's a, it's, it's very open and free to do things your own way. And so it's a kind of the right place to do this kind of work. Um, because everyone everyone can do as it's they great. see fit yeah it's great to see the evolving from you know your time when you kicked it off at smart till now it's really nice yeah yeah it's it good. took a minute to figure out the, the thread yeah. <laughs> more than a minute but, but it's pretty well thought out so it's worth it yeah yeah it That's was worth cool. the wait yeah and you say we a lot is there is there Sounds like there's a tribe here. Is there still a tribe? That's the are members of the original tribe still on this group? Um, yeah, I have a team, and we work together on nice. on the thinking and the implementation across our brands. And so um, the design innovation team is working hard, and we're we're growing. Good. Yeah. Good. Cool. This was fantastic. Good. Thank you so much. You- Good. <laughs> the Resonance Test Podcast is where we seek out people who are consistently able to go from inspiration and cool ideas to fully implementing them. Innovation in this form can be found in all sorts of fields, from health and tech to food in the workplace. And we love hearing how different people go about doing this repeatedly. Continuum is a global innovation design consultancy with studios in Boston, Milan, Seoul, and Shanghai. At Continuum, we're very deliberate about the term innovation. For us, it means turning ideas into stuff that's real. Because from our perspective, it's not really innovative until it exists. If you want to learn more about Continuum and the work we do, go to continuuminnovation.com. Thanks to Erica and Eric for their great conversation today. Many thanks to Kip, our sound engineer extraordinaire, for getting this podcast recorded. Unending appreciation to Ken Gordon, our producer, for his masterminding behind the scenes. This has been The Resonance Test. I'm your host, Pete Chapin. And to our listeners, we thank you for your ears. Mm